All right. Well, we're going to be in, in verse 15 of chapter 11, Revelation 11, 15. But I want to I start with the notes. It says context. Context is information that we already know or information surrounding our passage that helps us understand what's happening. So here's the context of what we're going to read when we read the passage. So number one, we have re-entered our timeline. Remember the last two Sundays, the first, first two-thirds of Revelation 11, we had a by-the-way moment where God stopped the progress and he said, by the way, here's some things I want you to know. And, in, and so we learned about the two witnesses. We learned about some other things. And, the, and, and that, by the way, then brought us right back up to the same moment in time. And that was the, the second woe has passed. And remember, the second woe was the total rejection of Christ, where, where mankind as a whole has rejected Christ. That doesn't mean there's not believers. As a matter of fact, there are possibly millions of believers walking around on the earth who have seen the, the communication God has given, they've, they've heard the message, and they have responded, and they have become, sa become saved. So when it says the total rejection of God, that's, that's mankind as a whole. We would, we would say, generally speaking, the majority of people have totally rejected Christ, and we, we've heard that mentioned. So where are we entering the timeline? Well, in your notes, 6.75 years have passed, or six and three-quarter years. The tribulation is seven years in total, so we're in the last three months of the timeline, and, and that's what's going to be happening. The abomination has happened. That's the abomination of desolation, where the Antichrist went into the temple and declared himself to be God. That has happened, and the two witnesses are gone. They, they finished their preaching. They were killed. They laid in the streets for three and a half days. They were resurrected. And then God took them back to heaven. So that's all past. And that was kind of the last events that brought us right back to our timeline. 6.75 years. Number two, the transition from evangelism and mercy to judgment and accountability is now. Like, it's, we're not transitioning. We have transitioned. The transition has happened. And there's been some clues that it's happening, and, and I want to review some of those clues. Revelation 6, 16, which is right after the sixth seal, the people responded to what God had done, and they said, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The language indicates that they knew who God was, and they were rejecting God, and they decided that I'd rather the mountains fall on me and I die than acknowledge and bow to this God who sits on the throne. So, so that's Revelation 6. Revelation 9.20, this is after the sixth trumpet, where God has again uh, shown himself sovereign and, and powerful and everything else. At the end of that, it says, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent. Again, speaking of, of mankind in general, not every single living person, but mankind in general, the rest who are still alive at this point did not repent. And then it goes on to say they continued worshiping idols and they continued everything they were doing. So at the end of the seals, the sixth seal, no repentance. At the end of the trumpets, the sixth trumpets, no repentance. Revelation eleven thirteen, we read it last week, it uses interesting language. It says, the survivors were terrified. 
and gave glory to God. Now that was not true repentance, that was a, that was a stop what you're doing repentance. Like, like a, a child will give his parent when he doesn't want to get spanked or something like that. Survivors is a very odd term. Survivors is not a term we use for believers. It's not a term we use for those who have given their life to Christ. It, it simply means those who are still alive. And some of your translations say that, those who are still alive. And they were terrified. We don't give our life to Christ and be terrified. We give our life to Christ and we have relief. We have um, a joy from within. So the language tells us that it's, it's still moving in this direction. The pattern is continuing. And, and right at this point in time, right where we're talking about now, the phrase I will use is the door of repentance is closing. The doors of repentance are closing. And then Revelation 15, 1, we'll just, we'll just go that there briefly today because we're going to have another, another by-the-way moment, but the trumpet blows here, and then in Revelation 15, 1, it starts the process, and it says the seventh trumpet contained the seven bulls. We've learned that already. But it says it will complete God's wrath. It will complete God's wrath. His wrath will be accomplished. Not, not his wrath is happening, is, is coming. It, it will be done. So in these last three months, it just reminder after reminder after reminder that we're moving towards a conclusion. And we are right at the end. And so now we're about to hear the seventh trumpet blow. Let's read about that, Revelation eleven fifteen through 19. I'm going to stop and comment along the way. Then we'll go back to our notes and we'll comment some more. So verse 15, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet. So we are back in the throne room of God. The six angels who have already blown their trumpets are still standing in line. The seventh one gets the signal. He blows his trumpet. And this time, a, a little kind of different thing. Every time somebody blows a trumpet, something's different. Remember, we're proclaiming. The trumpets proclaim. And there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has come. The kingdom of our Lord and, his and of his Messiah. He will reign forever and ever. And I want you to notice it says, The kingdom of the world. Usually it says kingdoms of the world. Because we have the United States, and we have China, and we have Russia, and we have Korea, and we have South America, and we have all these different countries, all kingdoms of the world. Now at this point, six and three-quarter years into the tribulation, and for a time already, there is one kingdom. The Antichrist is in charge of this kingdom, and, and he has, in effect, taken over the world, world worldwide government. To match God's worldwide proclamations. So Satan has his worldwide government, the kingdom of this world, and then it says, has become. Now, if you've, if you've read ahead, or if you're familiar at all, or you've been paying attention, you know we haven't had the bull judgments yet. The seven bowls of wrath have not been poured, but it says, the kingdom of God has come. Well, there's a term for that word, it is called a. Uh, a certain future, that's the tense, certain future. And, and so, let me give you an illustration. When I was a kid, and I know that's a long time ago, and some of you can't relate to that era of time, but it'll make sense. When I was a kid, junior high, high school, if there was going to be a fight after school, and, and, and say like it was Chris against me. Y'all, Chris, stand up for a second. Okay, enough said. Friends would gather around, and they would say to me, you're dead meat. 
Remember that phrase? You're dead meat? Well, I'm not dead meat yet because nothing's happened. But the certainty is there. What they're saying is, there's no question, when the fight's over, you're dead meat. Right? That's exactly the tense here. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of the Lord. It is so certain, it is inevitable that we can speak of it in the present. We can say it is so certain, I'm going to use language like it's already happened. That's exactly what's happening here. The kingdom of the world so certainly will become the kingdom of the Lord that it's already happened. Like, in the next three months, everything will be complete. It is so certain it's happening now. We will speak of it as if it's happened. The kingdom that belonged to the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. God's taking back his kingdom. We talked about that proclamation earlier. Verse 16. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was. Now, if you're not following along, you expect me to say, and who is to come. Because it always says, who was and is and is to come. But it does not say who was to come. The Lord's Prayer, what's the phrase? Um, May your kingdom come and your will be done. Well, folks, the kingdom has come. Right here, the kingdom has come. There is no is to come because that has arrived. That's the statement being made. It's the same statement. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of the Lord. Same thing. We give thanks to the Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was. He was and he is. There is no, there is no more is to come. It's all now. It says, because you have taken your great power and have, and have begun to reign. Still talking in that already happened mode. Verse 18, the nations were angry, and your wrath has come. Comparison, the nations are angry, so what? Your wrath has come. Uh, Your anger trumped their anger, right? The time has come for judging the dead, and for rewarding your servants, servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and and for destroying those who destroy the earth. I want you to notice... The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets. Think about when that happens. Does it happen at the end of the tribulation? No, it does not. It happens after the thousand-year reign of Christ. So in this statement of it's so certain, I'll speak of it as if it has already happened, we're talking about something that's a thousand years away still. That's how certain it is. The series of events taking place right now are the finish upon which everything else is built. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, the people who revere your name. That's all still to come. God is declaring his his kingdom is now, and his kingdom includes these things. At the end of the thousand years, everyone will, will, will be at the judgment seat of Christ, and some will receive a reward. Because of the judgment, some will receive punishment. Verse 19. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. Think about in the temple and in the tabernacle where the ark of the covenant was kept. 
was kept in the Holy of Holies. Only one guy got to go in the Holy of Holies once a year. So this was, was considered the place where God dwelt among men. Okay, the place where God dwelt among men. So then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant. So the temple is open, and we are able to see into the heavenly holy of holies. So God is, is, is leaving the place where he is, and he's moving somewhere. Okay? And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. I think the period of time we're speaking of here in, in verse 19 is the, the new heaven and the new earth. After the thousand-year reign of Christ, we'll get there. We'll study it in detail. After the thousand-year reign of Christ, the earth is destroyed, and a new heaven and a new earth are created. It's very similar, but different in some dramatic ways. And now God is again dwelling with his people. Remember, Adam and Eve walked with God. God could come and go. God is no longer just in heaven. Now he's with the people. That's one of the very different things. And I think that's going to be what we're, that's what we're talking about here. And the flashes of lightning, rumbles, peals of thunder, I think that's the ripple effect of God opening up the temple. It, it's not just a, hey, the door's open, everybody. God opens the temple, and there is a cosmic effect that ripples through the universe, and it, it, it gets all the way down to the earth, an earthquake and a severe hailstorm. I'm, I'm going to speculate just for a minute. Please understand this is pure speculation. I have nothing to base this on except what goes on in here. And that's a mystery, okay? It just, I just think in this morning how we have the next thousand plus years of history moving forward at least contained in these verses. And, and we're moving all the way to the end. And I think what, what, what is going to be talked about during the thousand year reign of Christ? It, it's going to be way different than today because Jesus will be sitting on the throne Okay, Jesus will be sitting on the throne. He will reign forever and ever, verse 15. He'll be sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. He'll be ruling his kingdom, his singular kingdom that is taking over all, all, on the whole earth. But what will, what will our Bible studies look like? Because things will be very different, right? It won't be the, the Jesus in heaven and God in heaven. It'll be Jesus among us and God in heaven. It'll be so different. Here's my speculation, okay? Speculation. What if we get second revelations added to our Bible during the thousand-year reign of Christ? How cool would that be? I mean, I won't be here, but like, and then it explains, like it, it, it explains an entire book. What this flashes of lightning, rumbles, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and severe hailstorm. What that's all about. What the process is going to be more in detail about Satan being released and people having to validate their decision to follow Christ by, by being real and not following Satan. Uh, what, what destroying the earth will look like, how it's going to happen. What the more details about the new heaven and the new earth. So for a thousand years, they get to look forward to the next big thing, like we've been looking forward to this for so long. Okay, speculation over. To your notes. I'm going to say some things again that I've already said, maybe some things I didn't say. I'm going to say them twice, maybe three times, because I want them to sink in. This is some really cool stuff. So number one, 
It is not kingdoms, but kingdom. That's in verse 15. It's not kingdoms, but kingdom. So, A, Satan has created a worldwide kingdom. You cannot understand anything that's happening, anything that's been happening, or anything that will be happening, unless you understand that Revelation is a worldwide scale. It's not countywide or nationwide or hemisphere-wide. It's worldwide. The plagues that come are worldwide. The announcements that are made are worldwide. Everything is on a global scale. There is no more third world country that doesn't know what's happening. There's no more jungle community that's not up to speed. The entire world is hearing. And the entire world is sucked into this kingdom and is controlled by Satan. Okay, so B, God is, as if he has already done it, he's taking this kingdom back and he's doing it right now. He's taking it back and he's doing it right now. He's saying, I've given you all the time. I've given people time. I've, I've, I've been waiting for the right moment. The moment is now. So he's taking back his kingdom right now. The, the, the bowls of wrath are his, are his response to mankind. Okay? And they're about, to, they're about to be poured out. Number two, it says, Our Lord and of his Messiah. Did you catch that in verse 15? I kind of skipped by it. The last line there. The kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. When I read that, I thought, that's a strange thing to say. God has a Messiah? Well, it's, you just got to think through it a minute. It's not that God needs a Messiah. It's God gave a Messiah. So my son lives in Japan, and we have to figure out how to get him Christmas presents, right? And so we, we send him a present, and we call him on the phone later, and he says, hey, I got your present. I got your present. Now, the present wasn't for me. It was from me. Okay, you understand that? Same deal. It's the Messiah from God. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. The one that the Lord sent. The one that God sent. So Lord is God the Father here. Okay, in your notes, our Lord is God the Father. His Messiah, the Messiah which God the Father has given us. We know him as Jesus. And then it says, he will reign. So we're talking about two people, but it's a singular he. And I think this means two things. The obvious thing is that he will reign refers to the Messiah. And that's 100% legitimate, and it's 100% true. Jesus will reign on this earth. But it also says the kingdom belongs to our Lord, God the Father, and of his Messiah, God the Son. The kingdom belongs to them, but one will reign. He will reign. I think this is just a little part of Scripture where we get to see the Trinity at work. The Father and the Son are one, and so he can say he will reign. We don't have to say which one. He will reign. They are one, but it will be Jesus. So they are one. That's seen your notes. And you can write a little bit, but Jesus will physically rule. Okay, that fulfills prophecy. It's what's expected, and it's what we're going to read about. So our Lord and his Messiah. Number three, verse 17, it is no longer who was and is and is to come. We mentioned that. Instead it says, one who is and who was. The is to come part is actually now. The is to come part is actually now. 
the prophecies are all being fulfilled. Every prophecy that was projected to the future, every promise that God made, it's, it's being fulfilled now. The, the Jewish nation will be saved as a whole. The, the, the throne will be present in Jerusalem. The temple will be rebuilt. It has been rebuilt by now. Uh, Jesus will sit on the throne and he will reign for a thousand years. The, the rejectors of Christ will be taken off the scene. They'll, they'll be removed. This kingdom, this thousand-year kingdom, will begin with 100% believers. All the things that God said would happen, they either have happened or are about to happen, and it's as if they have happened. So the is to come is now, the your kingdom come, your will be done. Part is actually come. Okay, number four, the time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants. That's a thousand years away, but as, as often in God's mind, it's now. I want to remind you of something. God is not bound by time. God doesn't remember yesterday and hope for tomorrow. We remember yesterday, hope for tomorrow, and survive today. Right? Everything for God is in the present. He steps into time, and he steps out of time. He does not age. He does not get old. He does not suffer from old age like we do. He doesn't have those, those elements affecting him. So when he, when, he, when he calls his elect, those believers, those who have overcome, he sees it as now, even though they're still overcoming, or maybe they're going to get saved later. He, 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 everything is in the present. So when, when the Holy Spirit gives this to John, and things are said like, um, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of the Lord, that's now to God. And when he says, the nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and rewarding the saints. That's now. And the, the new heaven and the new earth coming in the future. That's now too. Everything is now to God. And that's kind of the language we have. It's so certain it's now. It's, it's so certain because it's now. God is, God is just stepping into time and out of time, interacting with us. But it's all present. Present time. So this phrase, the time has come for judging the dead and rewarding the servants, this, this, it's A, more proof that the time of evangelism and mercy is over. It's now time for judgment. It's more proof that the time of judgment is now, both negative and positive. I hope you saw that. There, there will be rewards and there will be punishments. Those who know Christ, who have served Christ, will receive rewards based on what they've done. And who they are in Christ. Those who have rejected Christ and who have not bowed the knee will also receive a reward, but it will be a negative reward. We would call it a consequence. They'll receive a consequence for their deeds. You go to heaven or hell based on whether you believe or don't believe, right? But the part of hell you go to is based on your deeds and your actions while you lived on this earth. The part of heaven or the amount of heaven or the amount of reward in heaven you receive is also based on what you do on this earth. So we will be judged according to our deeds. It's all through scripture. We'll be uh, judged according to our deeds and we will be given a proper response. 
the deeds that are not forgiven will require eternity in hell. The deeds that are forgiven, the negative deeds, the sins that are forgiven are off the table, and there are only deeds left that bring about reward. So every believer that enters into heaven will receive some kind of reward. The, the thief who died on the cross will receive a reward for believing. That's the only thing he had time to do. He'll receive a reward, and his reward will be great. Other rewards will be greater. This phrase is just proof that we're moving towards that. We're getting closer and closer. Number five says, Then God's temple in heaven was open, and within the temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant. I already mentioned that's, that's where the Holy of Holies is. So A, God is leaving his home in heaven. God is leaving his home in heaven. Remember when the veil was torn from top to bottom? That's because the sacrifice was complete, and you no longer needed to go to the temple to see God. You no longer needed to go to the temple to receive forgiveness. You didn't go to where God was. God was now coming to where you were. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Jesus had come. He had fulfilled the sacrifice. He had done what had to happen. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. It's all been accomplished. You no longer went to the temple. Well, this is, this is like that, that happening again. The, the temple's opened up. And the area where only God was is now available because he's not there. He's now going to be with the people. God is relocating his home to be with his people on earth. And that's why I think this is the new heaven and the new earth. The new heaven and the new earth. It matches the description. We'll read it later. Number six, flashes of lightning, rumblings, peelings of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. Uh, you know, all through Revelation, every time there's a big announcement, every time there's something huge happens, these kinds of things go with it, Right? And so the flashes of lightning, the rumblings, the peals of thunder, this is, this is God saying, this is big. Okay, that's A in your notes. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. This is the final event that brings all of God's will into reality. Everything he's wanted, everything he's promised, everything his sovereign will has accomplished will be at one moment in time, the new heaven and the new earth, the new earth, a reality for every person who's ever believed. It's the, the culmination of everything, and it's a big deal. And when God leaves his throne in heaven and, and returns to have a relationship with us on this new earth, we'll be good. By the way, do you know the definition of heaven is where God is? So where is God now? He's in heaven. Where will God be in the new heaven and the new earth? He'll be in heaven. We'll be with God, so we'll be in heaven. We experience a little bit of heaven now because we have the Holy Spirit in us. So we are where God is in that sense. Um, it's an interesting phrase to think about. It's, it's, it's not incorrect to say we'll go to heaven one day, but we have to define where that is. It's the new heaven and the new earth. That's our final destination. The new heaven is a city. It's a city that descends onto the new earth. And that's where God sets up his throne. Revelation 15, 1. Skip ahead a little bit and read this to you. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. Seven angels with the seven last plagues. These are the seven bulls. Okay, in chapter 16, they're called bulls. Here they're called the seven last plagues. Then it says last because with them, God's wrath is completed. 
this, this transition we're talking about, three months, three months of, of God's wrath being poured out, not because God's getting even. He doesn't need to get even. Not because God's trying to teach them a lesson. The only reason we have these bowls of wrath is because it is the proper response to what mankind has done. It's the proper response. Mankind as a whole has raised its fist to God and said, I don't want you, I don't need you, and I reject you. And God's proper response is to pour out his wrath upon them. This is not the judgment. This is not hell. The the hell, the actual judgment for their sin is to come later. This is God's response to mankind on earth. God has responded before to mankind on earth. Remember the flood? Killed everybody but eight people? That was his response to the wickedness of mankind. He's responded to, to mankind in smaller ways, but equally dramatic ways all through Scripture. This is God's response coming up. Revelation 51, let me just go through the notes. With the blowing of the trumpet, God's wrath will be poured out. It's inevitable. Number two, this wrath, the seven bowls, is the last of God's interactions with unrepentant men. That's the last interaction. And it's not a, hey, do you want to serve me now interaction. It's a, hey, you made your choice. Here's the response. Interaction. Okay? It's going to happen. Application. What are we supposed to take from this? Well, the knowledge, of course. The knowledge of what's happening, an understanding of who God is. But here's a, a few extra things. Application. Number one, deal with God as a whole. Deal with God as a whole, not just the parts you're comfortable with. I imagine that as I've said these things, some of you cringed a little bit because it's not really the God you're comfortable with. Not really the God you want to hear about on a Sunday morning. Maybe you brought a visitor, and you're like, oh, man, he did it again. I don't know. But I know that this is not the God that the world is comfortable with. This is, this is not the God that spiritual people are comfortable with. Yes, we have a loving God who has given us several thousand years as, as, as mankind to repent. And has saved as many as would call upon him. He said no to no one who asks for forgiveness. He, he lays out the tribulation and for six and a half to six and three quarter years, everything is, is believe in me now, believe in me now, believe in me now. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. He's full of love. He is also full of justice. And he keeps his promises. And to be merciful and to be loving, there must also be justice. Because if you don't do what you said you were going to do, then you are a liar and you have failed to be God. And the rewards you give are meaningless if those who don't deserve them also get them. So we deal with God as a whole. We don't spend all our time talking about God's wrath. That's another error. Well, all we talk about is his wrath and judgment to come and and all the things that are going to happen to you because that's also unbalanced. Okay, number two, our making God out to be an all-loving God who will never bring judgment is a false teaching. 
It's a false teaching we need to watch out for. And it is out there. It's very prominent right now. Very prominent right now. And the last thing, number three, I want you to, I want you to go home with today is this understanding. People dying today are in no less a predicament than any of those who have died in the tribulation or will die during the bulls of God's wrath. It really doesn't matter for their eternal soul if they die in unbelief now or later. This, it's the same predicament. It's the same conclusion. What should that mean to us? It means that we pray a little harder for our unsaved friends and family. It means that we study a little harder so we can answer questions when they have them. And it means that we pay attention a little bit more so when the door opens, we can step through it. Because it is our job to share Christ. And it is our job to lead people towards a relationship with Him. They have to choose. We can't choose for them. But it's our job to point them in that direction. And that's the challenge. And that's, that's why we do a lot of things we do. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for our time. Thank you for this passage. It's, it's just so cool to see that, that the kingdom that Satan sets up for himself is transferred to you, that you take the kingdom back, that you reign on a throne. It's no longer who is and was and is to come. It's just who is and who was because you have come. It's so cool that, that you just stand up and make a statement as if it has already happened, even though there's a thousand years to go still. That's how confident and certain it is. Not your certainty, but just the reality of it all. In your sovereignty, it is. I just love this passage, how, how, how these statements are made. And then you're given praise and, and glory because of it. Father, help us to praise and glorify you now. Help us to realize that even today, if you made this statement, it's still just as true. It's, it's no less certain today, even though we have not begun the tribulation. It's no less certain that you're going to accomplish these things. Father, I pray that you help us to live with that certainty. That, that we serve you daily. We are your ambassadors. That our light needs to shine. That we need to be make a, making a difference in someone else's life. We need to be discipling, which also means we need to be discipled. We need to be growing and learning ourselves. So, Father, there's lots of challenges here. Help us to rise to the occasion. Holy Spirit, help us determine what steps we need to take individually and as a church. We thank you for, for what you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.